0: Forgotten Homeland A Lawn Turner Mystery By Joe Tallon Antigonish I met a man who wasn't there. Hughes Mearns Yesterday, upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away. When I came home last night at three, the man was waiting there for me. But when I looked around the hall, I couldn't see him there at all. Go away, go away, don't you come back any more. Go away, go away, and please don't slam the door. Slam. Last night I saw upon the stair a little man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. Oh, how I wish he'd go away. Chapter 1 I knew I dreamed, and yet I knew I would not wake. I never did until the dream released me. This time it fast-forwarded through the noise of the hot and dusty tunnel, but still my panic rose. Part of me knew what I faced, yet remained powerless to prevent the oncoming horror. These nightmares, night terrors, my therapist called them, held me captive. Hot dust filled my throat. Hot sand filled my nose. Blood and bone would be next. They always came next. In the outside world, my chest heaved, the seatbelt tightened. In the dream world, I lifted the trapdoor of the tunnel. Every fibre in my body screamed not to lift it. I knew it then, I knew it now. I knew it would turn out to be a mistake, but there had been no choice. The speed of ISIS coming through the area got us unprepared, our intel sadly lacking. We were let down, betrayed, sacrificed. The trapdoor lifted. I rose up the last few steps of the ladder, my dream legs full of the terror I never permitted in the real world. The voices of my brothers garbled in my ear. The comms unit didn't work in the dream until the screaming began. I saw the technical. Four men up, two on the .50 cal machine gun, one on the trigger, the second feeding the links. The dust swarmed in the wind, the sand whipped up, a face formed in the desert. A face formed in the dust and sand. Black eyes, almond shaped, voids into some other world I never wanted to see. Mouth, a maw of blood and bone, hate and rage, and fear. So much death. Hey, fella, we're here. I jerked hard. The seat belt snapped back and caught the fresh scars. Mr. Turner. My eyes met those of the driver in the rearview mirror. His florid face and small, watery blue eyes were concerned. They glanced out of the window. Grey clouds, winter naked hedges and trees. A lane as familiar to me as the veins on my hands. The taxi man said, We're here. You're okay, Mr. Turner. You've been asleep for a while. The man's accent came from somewhere east of Bristol, but not too close to London. I'm fine, thank you. Just a dream. The man's eyebrows rose, but he made no comment. I climbed out of the taxi and handed over a chunk of cash. The driver started fishing for change. Forget it, I mumbled, pulling my Bergen from the back seat. The effort yanked at the skin on my right side, but the broken bones were now healed. The residual pain from them existed only in my head. A lot existed only in my head. Thanks. The driver surprised my generosity, made it clear tips from locals during the winter were as rare as hen's teeth in minehead. I grunted, shut the door, and watched him drive off up the lane. His sat would make sure he found the main road eventually. The parish of Stoke Perrow contained my farm and the church, a clutch of other houses further down the hill, and many grazing animals. With my back to the farmhouse, I stood in the narrow lane and inhaled. Grey slate clouds formed a brutalist ceiling to the dim afternoon daylight. Water still shimmied from the tarmac from the latest deluge of rain. The hedges were winter savage, the vegetation slumbering and dull within a deep dreamless sleep. Dreamless sleep. When had I last slept through a night? The air, sky clean, sea clean, bit cold in my nose. No dust and sand here, no blood and bone. No diesel fumes, no hot brass, no gunpowder. How waft of cow shit, though, which made me grin. The first since my reluctant but necessary departure and subsequent piss-up from the boys in Hereford. I'd served eighteen years in the regiment, twenty in total, a bloody veteran indeed. I tried to leave quietly, but the lads weren't having it, and they needed a blowout, so I gave them an excuse. A bittersweet farewell. I still lived, while so many of my muckers didn't. Dust and sand blood and bone. Time to turn around and shoulder my new and unwanted burden. It will be a damn sight heavier than my Bergen. The farmhouse stood straight on the steep hillside, tall and white, almost bright against the grim colours of the fields, trees and more rising behind its stalwart presence. The building overshadowed the lane and hedges, only subservient to one thing, the tiny church. I glanced at it, Nothing more to me than an adjunct to the farm. It only dominated the house because it sat even higher on the hill which rose to Dunkery Beacon, the summit of Exmoor. It certainly blended better than the house and its mantle of black slate and grey stone. Tiny, simple, plain monument to a medieval world on the edge of a medieval landscape, never quite tamed by the Victorians, despite one of them building the church on the much older side. It and its graves rose out of the ground, a conjuring, perhaps, rather than a building. Christ, Dad would have a laugh at such foolish fancies. Dad, the latest in a long line of funerals that attended since I'd come out of hospital. I pushed the guilt away and strode, my determination grimmer than the daylight, over the road and up the steps to the front door. My mum's brass door furniture had doubled since her death some five years before, and the paint needed work again. I fished the keys out of my pocket and let myself in. Never in all my thirty-eight years had this house been empty of life, until now. I pushed open the door. The tumble of envelopes and leaflets made a quiet hiss as the paper vomit slipped away, enabling me to step over the threshold. Dark and cold, the smell of damp wrapped around me, unfamiliar from my youth in the house and the few times I returned when on leave. I kicked at the post. I crumbled hiss this time. Ingrained guilt prodded me. I should not walk in the front door while still wearing my boots. Then I remembered it would be my job to clean the carpets, not Mum's. The shock of this revelation brought a lump to my throat and made my eyes sting. Fuck's sake, Lorne, I growled, shaking my head to clear the unfamiliar emotions washing up on a barren shore. This happened more often than i liked to admit these days. Surges of emotion I didn't understand. I'd never had time in the army to deal with them, emotions. They were like gun-off yogurt, sliding through my fingers and leaving a nasty, tacky smell behind. The doctor said I'd need to deal with them at some point. I said I was fine and I didn't need to worry. Not even my CO believed that one. Not anymore. My hand slipped into my pocket and closed around a small, smooth bottle and its child-safety lid. The longing to open that lid, siren-call, too tempting. I pulled my hand out of the pocket before I gave in to the sweet song of numb, fake, peace. I walked past the stairs on my left, living room on the right, into the kitchen. I'd managed to have the electric reconnected while I'd been serving the last of my time behind a desk, but couldn't risk the heating. The old boiler and older kitchen range ran on costly oil, I needed to be frugal. I risked burst pipes over the winter, but we hadn't had a bad cold snap yet, so I figured I'd be safe for a bit. I hoped to convert the house to something more environmentally friendly than oil at some point, but right now I didn't have the money, not until I assessed where things were going with my future. I had ideas, but they needed some space and the farm came first. The Bergens sat on the kitchen table, and I stared at the humble wooden chairs sitting around waiting for their occupants to return, backs shiny from years of my family's hands moving them in and out from the table. They remained in the same position and left them after the death of my father three months beforehand. What a bloody awful year I had endured. A wave of tiredness swept through me and I almost hit the floor. My fingers tightened again around the siren call of the bottle in my jeans pocket. The prescription pushed the world back, far away, No dust, no sand or blood and bone. My gift from the hospital. My sanity restored by medics who saw too much in the eyes of the men like me. Haunted men, hunted men. I drew in a shuddering breath. This was my chance at a reset. Move, idiot. Action beat inaction. That morning I'd surrendered the keys to my digs in Creedon Hill. A shiny recruit to the regiment who couldn't wait to get his feet wet in some war zone somewhere now lived in my life. Had I ever been that young? I'd been homesick the moment I left. I had no food in the house, hadn't even thought about it. I should have gone to a supermarket before coming to the back of beyond. Up here on the moor, we had no shops. It's a strange thing when you come out of the army, especially if you enlisted straight from home life. You never really had to fend for yourself. I had food in the mess hall if I wanted it. My bills went out of my bank account, and I was paid with barely a thought from me. So long as I didn't overspend, I had an easy life in that regard. To be fair, what would I spend money on, as I'd never been married and didn't gamble? Now I had a farm to deal with, and I'd already been warned it no longer ran at a profit. When Dad died, I'd asked our nearest neighbour to sell the few remaining stock, cheap mostly, and take a fee for his trouble. I'd sell the machinery, but it couldn't be worth much. Most of it was older than me. Bollocks to it, I muttered. I headed to the sitting room didn't look at the chair Dad sat in, or the sofa where Mum knitted, and grabbed the nearest bottle of whiskey. The safer of the two bottles in many respects. They retreated to the kitchen, rummaged in my Bergen, and found some packets of ORPs. Chicken karma, that would do. Microwave, rather than trying to figure out the heating and cooking situation. I sat at the table and began drinking my way through the rest of the day. Dust and sand, screaming blood and bone, Shifting from seeing the technical holding four enemy combatants and their .50 car machine gun to dark graves of stone in winter burnt grass under a glowering blackened sky. Things changing, happening faster than usual. But I remained trapped, trapped by the repeating pattern. Screaming of men, my men, as they died underground. As I failed to take out the machine gun in time. Screaming of men. Screaming of a woman. I awoke sooner than I usually managed. The final scene not playing out, the one that really scared me. The jolt of waking had the old pine table screech over the floor tiles in protest of my violence. Deep breath in. Remember where you are, when you are, who you are. Not necessarily in that order. A woman's scream? I never heard a woman's scream in my dreams. There weren't any women in my life. Hadn't been for years. Breathing hard, sweating in my clothes from the day before, I now shivered must be the middle of the night. Moonlight, no street lamps out here, filtered through the kitchen window, and I peered at the whiskey bottle. I didn't often drink, never to excess, and I felt it in every atom of my being. My mouth contained a dead squirrel and badger poo. Standing, knees and back protesting, informing me that nights on duty were now over, I shuffled to the sink and doused my face, naked scalp and neck, patchy stubble over the scars, before rinsing my mouth out. My watch informed me when I managed to focus on it. I still had several hours before daylight. I leaned back against the kitchen sink and sensed the night quiet house around me. Damp, cold, lonely. The walls were tired. I needed a shower. I needed to figure out the heating and I needed to unpack my few belongings. Mum kept a room for me, but I'd only been back for the odd week here or there over the years. Work consumed me, and lived for my job. I loved it, and I was good at it, until I wasn't anymore, until I lost my edge, and being on the range in the house scared me to the point I had to tell my CO no more active service. i would be a danger to everyone around me. And just like that, my time was done. I pushed away from the sink. Action over inaction. Eating, shower, see if anything remained in the freezer or tins in the cupboards, I should have thought about that yesterday, idiot. Crack! Lightning streaked through me and I dropped below the height of the kitchen units. Crack! I jerked, left, the noise coming from behind me. Crack! Wait out, wait out, brain scrambling for more intel. Crack! Bugger, idiot, the wind had risen and I heard a door banging outside, probably one of the barns near the farmhouse. Crack! I laughed. The sound shivered around the empty kitchen, a little too high for it to be something comfortable. Why did my childhood home feel so bloody alien? Is your tired, Lorne? Tired, alone and hungry. I rose from the crouch, and the banging door now sounded normal. Just another outdoor noise, like the barn owls, the foxes, the wind. This close to the edge of the moor on the seaward side meant our weather would shift in minutes rather than hours. Dad always said he needed to be part sailor to farm this land. I trailed around the house, switching on lights, laying a fire in the grate of the lounge, managing to switch on the heating at last, and finally I grabbed a shower. Next came clean clothes and food. On my journey around the house, I found evidence of damp in the ceilings, not a burst pipe damp, more a hole in the roof. Everything looked tired and worn, rather than well-loved, and a bit tatty. Back downstairs, I scraped up the letterbox vomit and began shuffling envelopes, a lot of red, a lot of letters from a bank, more from a loan company I didn't recognise. They opened a drawer in my big kitchen dresser where mum used to put the bills before paying them, everything from the water bill to the feed bill, so she'd know where to find them and in what order to pay them. The drawer didn't open. I tugged harder. It jerked free, and a stream of unopened envelopes spilled to the floor. Shit, I blinked in disbelief. What the hell, Dad? I began ripping up envelopes in a desperate denial of the blindingly bloody obvious. Dawn crept into the kitchen, afraid of the consequences of its harsh illumination of reality on my fragile mind, and I collapsed into a chair, surrounded by envelopes and demands for money. For the first time in many years, I gave in to the slog my life had become, and wept. Full-length, lawn-turner, supernatural thrillers, available Unaudible.